Hi, I'm Kane, and I've always been a storyteller. Whether it be through my passion as a singer-songwriter or working as a journalist, I've always been drawn to crazy stories and telling them to my friends. But there are some stories that haven't been told quite enough. So grab a seat, a drink, and hunker down as we delve into the realms of those forgotten stories. Welcome to Breaking Bard. Stories untold, tales that we've spun Quite a few missing, where have they gone? Come fill your mind with ghosts of the past Now that we're breaking bad 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 Without further ado, I would like to introduce my first guest, all the way from upstairs, one of my oldest friends and flatmate, Maeve Sally. Welcome, Maeve. Hi, Kane. Thanks for having me. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Honoured to be guest number one. Really excited. Lovely setup. Yeah, thank you. I just blitzed my, um, literally about an hour ago, I was working from home. I turned my desk around and even hoovered just for yourself. So. I thought I had some hoovering yeah. earlier. There's some little um, candle scented candles over there. I'm loving that. Um, hey, Kane, they yeah. are obviously this first episode. Uh huh. Do you want to tell the listeners what name you've come up with? Of course. God, I haven't even thought about that. So, um, oh, there's our cat. Well, the name is Breaking Bard. <laughs> And uh, I was thinking about all these stories, and at the start it was called What the Fuck Stories with Kane and Friends. But then I was brushing my teeth, <laughs> and literally I was thinking about I was thinking about how, you know, a bard storyteller, um, and then I just thought Breaking Bard. And <laughs> do you like it? I love it so much. Um, um, for the listener, I, um, Kane's told me this already, and I probably laughed for a solid 10 minutes. She did. So we're also drinking spritz because that's my favourite drink. Um, so I promise anyone who comes on my show will get a Aperol spritz with all the frills. So I am going to tell you, Maeve, you've heard of pirates. Yes. Yeah. You like a good pirate, don't you? Yeah, Blackbeard, uh, mm-hmm. Redbeard. Uh, yeah. Um, Jack Sparrow. Yes. Any more that you can name? Bob. Barbados? No, uh, that's a, Barbarella. <laughs> Barbarella? <laughs> so let's talk about pirates for a little bit. Mm-hmm. The first accounts of piracy date back to the 14th century BC. Oh, that's old. That's really old. And the definition of a pirate is generally someone who commits a crime, or violence or robbery by sea. Uh-huh. But the thing is, pirates are quite tricky because, you know, over the years they've been caricatured through like Hollywood movies, sure. you know, wooden legs and their parrots and hardy <laughs> har and stuff. So, uh-huh. but so remember that when I tell you my story, because it was a very real and very violent way of life. But one thing that I stumbled upon is, did you know the most successful pirate in history was a woman from China? No way. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you the story of Madame Jingxi, the Pirate Queen. So I'm going to show you a picture um, that I found. Okay. 
This will be on uh, Kane's Instagram afterwards. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So it's like a fabulous looking woman. She's got one of those curly swords. Uh-huh, and the men on the floor. Like dead, scared what? I didn't see that. Yeah, look, this one. <sighs> Um, so first of all, I want to thank uh, a few sources which I used as my research. Um, a uh, Epic Moments in History, Jingxi, the rise of the Pirate Queen by Invicta on YouTube, was a very, very insightful little uh, animated video. Obviously, the Bible of her Wikipedia page, it couldn't go without it. Um, and a blog called thefemalesoldier.com which was really, really insightful because obviously there's not just her. And then a blog called uh, vagabondtraders.com. So first of all, sorry for the pronunciation. Um, I don't speak, unfortunately, Cantonese or Mandarin. The only Mandarin I know is Ni Hao and Wo Chao, Kane. And that's probably, and Xie Xie. So Xie Xie for listening, but sorry for the pronunciation of the names. Because apparently, so her the names written... Ching, C-H-I-N-G, right. but it's pronounced Zhing. 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 Help yourself to more Prosecco if you need, by oh, the way. Thank I'm just going to pop her there. Before she became Zhing Shi, let's go to the beginning. So we are in 1775 in the province of Guangdong. And uh, a young girl by the name of Shi Yang. So that was her name before she became Zhing Shi. You'll find out later. So... <laughs> Not much is known about her humble beginnings, um, except that she must have been pretty poor because her feet were unbound. Now, do you know about foot binding? Yeah, I think so. So, and not much, so apologies for any cultural wrongness. But uh, so then you'd bind people's women's feet Mm. uh, to be able to fit into like tiny, tiny square shoes, Mm -hmm. basically. And it looks crazy and crazy horrible and i didn't know however um that that was like a class thing so it was created uh it was made by court dancers in the 10th century oh. so like long time ago in the 1900s and um essentially it was for china's elite and it's also called lotus feet because essentially your whole so imagine that's your foot your whole mm. toes wrap around like that so it's not a square but your <laughs> foot is just like a tiny and I, i'll show you pictures later oh, or you can google i've seen pictures of that crazy so what's even more oh, because cra- of course like how would you do any physical labor whatsoever if you had your cur- like toes curled under you could hardly walk also yeah because the toes are literally like the most important thing for balance and right? they would do it but you need as a your child. little toe without your little toe apparently you can't really stand up i know and as a little child they would so you'd bind the feet up and literally keep it so the bones would grow that way and like the poor people it's horrible like horrific and so foot binding they tried to ban it in the six in 1660 something but it wasn't banned until the 20th century you were yeah so for 400 years so one of the Qing dynasty which is about when our girl is she um they they tried to ban it and they were like you know let's let's stop this and they were like nope so it was the elite and then it became literally any other class except for poor people for that reason we know that she wasn't that she was poor so Guangzhou in the geography of it if you've got the big big sea and then essentially this beautiful river 
called the Pearl River that goes all the way up to Guangzhou, which is um, a city that I've been to because I, uh, going to Vietnam, I stopped there just for the airport. Airport's pretty nice. Though on the way back, I did have a beef brisket. And I remember I was sick straight away when I came home. I oh, think yeah, the beef brisket so made Ill. me... <gasps> it was horrific. I think it was, a bit... I think it was like being tired, not knowing what my body wanted and having a massive beef brisket with noodles. Yeah, that's weird. Actually, I feel PTSD just by doing oh, it. Sorry. Anyway... <laughs> So Grandchild's yeah. <laughs> Grand lovely. Never have a big um, meal uh, um, mid-transit. That's the rule there. <laughs> Back to our heroine, um, uh, Zhang Xi. She ended up finding work as a courtesan or a sex worker um, oh. on a floating brothel. So imagine, I've seen you pictures. Are? Oh my God, it looks stunning. It's like, like the dream. <laughs> But yeah, so she would, um, she worked on this floating brothel known as Flower Boat. She was given the nickname Shi Zhang Gu. And I was like, I need to know if I'm going to tell you about this nickname. I need to know what it means. So I Google translated it because I found, <laughs> I found nothing. Um, and it translated as stone mushrooms. Stone <laughs> mushroom. And I tried so many time, ways to think what that could be a metaphor for. I would love someone to call me Stone Mushroom. Hey, Stone Mushroom. <gasps> hey, hey, Pebble Shiitake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, uh, Rock Portobello. Oh, I like yeah. that. So if anyone speaks Cantonese, please get in touch. I just find it so interesting mm-hmm. to hear about history of that kind of period in different parts of the world because it's so interesting to compare right because you're like 70 77 you think okay what was happening in europe then you know bit of uh, well revolutions Mm -hmm. i guess you know building up to um but i don't even really even have context of what China lived before that historically, or no. the whole of uh, Asia. Because really. they had dynasties that spanned hundreds and hundreds yeah, of years. Yeah. Like this, so we're in the Qing dynasty, which is uh, written Qing with a Q, but I researched and it's pronounced Qing. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I'm actually going to get into that a little bit. Um, at the time, it was practically impossible for women to have any kind of official power. Like they were in Confucian society. And um, Essentially, unless you were well-connected socially, um, married or born into power, nothing. So a non-elite woman had to work extra hard to assert her authority and reputation. Mm. And a lot of the time, women had to rely on the strength of their personal relationships to get anywhere in life. Sure. Yeah. So living in a brothel, well, you're going to see what happens. Not too shabby. Business. So here we have a young Jingxi. Um, who was said to be an intelligent, beautiful and business savvy woman. And she gained herself quite the reputation, legend has it, by learning about trade secrets during pillow talk with her clients, who were mostly rich and politically well connected. Mm -hmm. So can you guess what kind of people would frequently hang out at the floating brothel on the docks of Guangzhou? What, the flower boat at Pearl... Remember the title of the thing? <laughs> Breaking Bard? Uh, Bards. Pirates! <laughs> <laughs> pirates! I panicked. So, let's talk about the pirate context for a little bit. So, southern China was, uh, at the time, was the hotbed for pirates. Because it was, and still is, basically on the biggest trade route through the uh, South China Sea. And there were all sorts of trades going on from, like... 
silk to 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 everything that was all going on. But around the same time, uh, it coincided with uh, decisions from the Qing dynasty, which didn't help themselves out. So the Qing dynasty started taking more and more land from farmers. So what for? Dare I ask? Just to do whatever they want with it. Sure. They would just take it. They'd say, hi, the Qing dynasty needs it. Um, yeah, and that too. And that cow and that chicken. And uh, you can't live here anymore. Yeah, uh, so you need to go um, off to uh, um, somewhere else. We don't go. Bang. Um, bang. <laughs> so, actually, what happened is the farmers became the perfect recruits for pirates. Oh. Because they were like, girl, I haven't got any land anymore. Where the fuck am I going to go? The sea. Of course. Nomads forever. Forever. Lots of people were forced into poverty because of this and uh, also because of fighting along the Vietnamese-Chinese border. So Vietnam and uh, China, what is Vietnam now? And China um, were fighting a lot at the time. The fighting along the border of the two countries destroyed swathes or swaths, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Destroyed swathes of land and disrupted entire regions and their local economy. So it got so bad that both sides would encourage or sponsor pirates to go to the other border sponsor. and to loot and attack the other villages of side. So the Vietnamese would be like, yo, pirate there, go over, attack China for us. And they'd be like, okay, and vice versa. And then all of the farmers were being bought into this. So essentially, it, and I wrote, so this was a hot soup of a political and piratical mess. <laughs> <laughs> piratical. And this is what made China one of the um, pirate capitals of the world. Wow. Now back to our woman on a mission, Xi. She's now 26 only. That's older than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it now? Depends who you ask. It depends who you ask, because Maeve's got a funny thing, is that she um, keeps thinking she's 26. When you're 24, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, I did, but... I. I think the 26 thing is a bit... It's because I'm becoming 26 this year, and we're so Yeah, I think I'm connected. Well, no, because then I thought you were 27. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Jingxi, who's 26 and loving her 26 Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, as what? opposed to us. She marries a notorious pirate leader called Jing Yat. Uh, Yat means one in Cantonese, so it's Jing the first. Um, so anyway, Jing Yat was from a well-known pirate family who had been basically fucking up the South China Sea since the mid-17th century, so... That sounds like a rap song. Literally, he's been fucking up the South China Sea, yo. Since 1970, yo. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jing Shi is like, hey. Now, there are varying stories of how they ended up marrying. Some say he was infatuated with her. Some say it was a move to solidify his business by having children as quick as possible. There are even some accounts that he had his crew raid her brothel and kidnap her for the purpose of marriage. However, one theory is that Jingxi's reputation for basically being the female version of Varys the Eunuch in no. Game of Thrones by knowing all of the secrets and <laughs> it all meant that he wanted to use her info to be ahead of his pirate game. Mm-hmm. So I kind of love it. Yeah. He's like, so I recognize you. She's like, mm. but he saw a powerful woman. Ah, yeah. He was like, 
Bitch, she 26. She's been in the brothel game for yeah, I don't know how many, but she's climbed game. the brothel. Yeah. She climbed the brothel ladder. That needs to be said. <laughs> Is that like the property ladder? Yes, but the brothel ladder. So she was sleeping <laughs> with all the right people, you know. Whatever the reason, after months of being his favourite, Jingxi accepted his proposal of marriage after somehow negotiating a 50-50% business cut in what? the Pyrus business. What? Yeah. No, she yes. kind of didn't. She, yeah, she did. So literally, this no, guy... that's crazy. It's crazy. Basically, just your average career change for Jing Shi. Sure, right. She was like, mm, brothel, mm, no, I'm going to... Yeah. Networking, it's all about networking. Yeah, well, she is the networking queen. <laughs> um, now, this is where things get a bit weird. Um, Jing Shi and Jing Yat uh, adopted another pirate who was young, but I'm guessing not that younger than them. His name was Chung Po. And they adopted him as their stepson. Okay. And official heir to the family business. Right. Oh, so he's mate number three. They're like, Slightly okay. younger. He's like, hey, guys. Yeah. Why don't you cut me in on this business? I think they just knew they had to secure an heir as soon as possible. Just to be like, if something happens. Because he's got... So we're going to get into the pirate fleet and how that works. And you're going to understand why. But... After adopting him, they uh, had two sons of their own. So we can say the thing is secure. They've secured it. So at the time, there were so many pirates, they had to be colour-coded into six fleets of different colours. And this is true. <laughs> with different leaders. So Jing Yat, uh, the husband of uh, Jing Shi, she, he controlled the Red Fleet when they met. And, of course, pirates being pirates, uh, they would all fight amongst each other. Now, when they married and they had Cheng Po, well, had him, adopted him, <laughs> <laughs> um, the Jing sat down and were like, this is probably not the most effective way to stay alive. And so thanks to their cool head and Jing Yat's, um, the guy's unif- role as a unifying patriarch, and Jing Shi's organisational and charm... Um, they basically managed to gain control um, of all the fleets through complex yet masterful personal and familial relationships <gasps> between the different rulers and the Jing fam. So basically... Oh, no. Yeah, they would go to each thing. They'd be like, look, remember I cooked you that beef brisket? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, they would be like, don't I know you from the Pearl River? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, they managed... To create a pirate alliance that was agreed upon by all the different pirate leaders Whoa. to actually give their power to Jingxi and Ying Jing Yat. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean when um, Jack Sparrow is dangling Commodore in front of Bob. Uh, um, what's his name? Barbarella. <laughs> <laughs> is this the one we were looking for earlier that still hasn't come back to? Yeah, it's Barbados. Or- it's- <laughs> It's Bob, Barba, Bob, Barbosa. Barbosa. Uh, Guys. So, yeah, and Jack Sparrow's like, you could be Commodore and stuff. Like, he's like dangling, like, ooh, you'd be chieftain of all of this. Well, <gasps> put a pin in that. So many pins. <laughs> so, all the pirate leaders are like, yes, you guys seem like the perfect couple to control a fleet. Which was already successful with 200 ships, which was their 200 ships, eventually grew to 1,700 to 1,800 ships, including 50 to 70,000 crewmen. What? Yeah, 70,000 people they were controlling. What? How many? So essentially before it was all these different kind of, you know, those people and that family and all that. And then they were like, look, guys, it's us against society. 
They've just gone and done it. And she was motherfucking 26, 27. And now she's at the head with her husband. The head of this massive Did she have her own ship or did they live together? They, uh, they had... Oh, what, did she have hers? And he had his. I don't know. Like, Mr. Or and Mrs. they have, like, a holiday ship? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so cute. Just like, it's we're like, going to go to Oh, I'm just going to go to, like, the... the um, I, I heard Barley's really nice. Yeah, like <laughs> so, basically, right now, honestly, everything's great. But then, tragedy strikes. No. When Jing Yat, the husband, dies unexpectedly in Vietnam on the 16th of November, 1807. No. Yes. Some say that he was hit by a wave near Vietnam, which is like, what do you mean hit by a wave? (laughs) Like, was he in a boat that was capsized by a tsunami or was he on the beach and he just got hit by a wave? (laughs) (laughs) Like, Uh. and then he's like, oh no, I don't really know, but no one really knows. But he died, bless his heart. So what does that mean? His Um, death is fucking threatening the whole (gasps) piece and shit up. Because no one will respect her. But she's, like, got 50, right? Well. Does it not go to the stepson? She's got 50. Well, it's from then that um, Jingxi changed her name from Shi Yang to Jingxi, which literally means Cheng's widow, Jing's widow. So (gasps) Jing, his name was Jing Yat. Yes. So her name is Jingxi. I did wonder why they had the same name. So everyone calls her Madame Jingxi, the widow of Jing. Which I'm kind of like... Was she not more than that? In it? Yeah, because you say she changed her name. Did she change her name? No. no. Did she choose that? Did she no. say, oh, actually, I'm going to give her the name that I've always had and I'm just going to call myself that man's widow. Motherfucking Chinese pirate queen. That's what I think she yeah, called herself. Yeah, that's what she called herself. You are beautiful. You are loved. You are a motherfucking Chinese, <laughs> Chinese pirate queen. <laughs> the affirmations that she would do in the morning. Oh, but so what next? Well, so Jingxi is like... She- motherfucking bastard what am I gonna do oh no I'm so sad but also her mind's like I need to find a fucking way of securing my throne my children my motherfucking 70,000 strong pirate I know my holiday ships especially my holiday ship down in Bali like (laughs) (laughs) so obviously all the men are going to come for her and by the way you might not know this Mm. I guess but do you know if there are any other pirate queens, or not pirate queens, but uh, was it common to have women pirates in China? There might have been others for sure, but she... But she had the power. Maybe the there power. are other, like, women, but... Sure. So, she wasted no time in solidifying her ties and reassuring all the chieftains, because essentially they were all chieftains that would answer to the t- couple. Got mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's like... Can- Hey, can I go get coffee with you? Um, I feel like we need to just connect, you know? <laughs> like, just let's catch up. So she basically takes the chieftains all out to lunch and reassures them by, again, kind of, like, given doing all these, like, familial... I don't know how many children she's, like, setting up to, like... And they can be... Your, but essentially, she's, like... She's really good at the whole social manipulation and connections. Sure. She did this by appointing her stepson, Zheng Po, as the new leader of the Red Fleet. So he was well, well respected by many, but most of all, he was loyal to the Jing family, to her, because he, they, he owed her whole fucking pirate 
career to them. Yeah. So yeah, them adopting him was looking pretty sweet by now. They were like, well, I mean, you'd hope they'd be loyal to his you adoptive would. parents. But Maeve, if that wasn't enough, oh no. Jingxi then ended up seducing and taking her stepmother, a stepson, as a lover. Stepmother. <laughs> step oh no. <laughs> <laughs> she took him as a lover. Step yeah, very Fidra esque. Um, she started sleeping with her stepson uh, that she adopted. Mm. Ah. Mm. Well, because he's got, you know, 50% of the. A penis. <laughs> oh, 50% of a penis. <laughs> but, uh. but yeah, so she. So but she it is what it is. I'm not going to. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to judge judgment. a 300 year old dead woman. But, um, oh yeah, spoiler alert, she dies. Um, oh. <laughs> what? She's not. We can't go and see her. No, I'm going to the brothel flower boat. I want to go to Bali. That was when. <laughs> but thanks to these careful and quick decisions, she managed to persuade the seventy thousand men to once again heal to her family's power, which is by no means an easy feat. No mean feat. I mean, me and my own 70,000 men, it it takes... You can't get them to do diddly, can you? I can't get them to do diddly squat. (laughs) (laughs) So this is huge because at the time of the Qing dynasty in China, it was very male-oriented and had she not been part of this marginal society, Uh. she would have been laughed at. You know, they would have been like, "Mm, girl, who are you, baby? Like, go back to the Pearl River. Do you know what I mean? Where it came from. Get back on the flower boat. <laughs> but she was known amongst the pirates to not only have managed to negotiate that famous fifty-fifty, mm. mm. which was absolutely motherfucking unheard mm. for. Even today, if I had to do fucking the prenup, fifty-fifty, is not no. what any business deal, unless Anyone. literally you go in as co-people. I mean, even Dragon's Den wouldn't want fifty percent. Dragon's Den wouldn't want that at all. <laughs> <laughs> It was also known that she was the true mastermind in making this huge fleet an economic success. Because before they all started banding together, I mean, for sure. it was a mess. It was just everyone for your uncle. But when they became a united fleet of 70,000 people, it was they were unstoppable. We're going to see why. It's like the European Union. It was basically the pirate union. No, they, she, they, she basically no, no. unionized no, no. the pirate yeah, yeah, fleet. for sure. I mean, serious ambition for sure. Serious ambition. So she was known to be the true mastermind in making it an economic success. In the end, they bowed to her as their new pirate queen. How cool is that? Oh my God, I love that. Especially because obviously before she married her husband, he hadn't done anything to unite the tribes. Nope. So yeah, obviously it all sits with her. She's the real queen. She is the real power. Mm -hmm. She was like... Also, are there even written rules about what pirate kings or queens can or can't do? Well, well. I can't believe you're way ahead of me. No, you're kidding. Yes, because she did not stop there. <laughs> she never stopped thinking on how to further unify the mass of fleets and created what would be known as the Code of Laws. Oh my God, I'm psychic. You're amazing. I've not heard you're this gonna, before, guys. You are coming back. <laughs> um, which were as follows. So I'm going to tell you them. Asking okay? all the right questions. I know. So number one, anyone giving their own orders, ones that didn't come from Xingxi, or disobeying those of a superior, was beheaded on the spot. <gasps> yep. 
Xing Xi. Xing Xi. She was ruthless, but you have to be with 70,000 men, girl. I mean. You've got to threaten to cut off something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, number two. Better it be the head. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh. What? Sorry. You started The head. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, number two. No one was to steal from the public fund. Yes, she put in a public fund. You know, she would. She got investing. Or any villagers that supplied the pirates. So you, if you had your, you know, Jean-Charles at the end of the road, and he <laughs> would it, every month give money. Yeah, he sure. give you a few onions. Sure. If another pirate fucking stole from him... Uh-huh. <clears throat> oh, damn. So the villagers then are like, basically, if they want to be safe, they have to get into... But that's always I business mean, with the pirates. But, but then they're what, like, at least I'm not getting pillaged. A from my own fucking government. I'm gonna give to this particular one, and that means I'm protected from any other attacks. And you're not just getting like pumped dry. So number three, <gasps> all goods taken as booty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like to see yeah. your goods. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, um, come and see me. I don't know. <laughs> see my booty on my ship sometime. Holiday <laughs> ship. Oh. Had to be presented for group inspection. So if you and your mates had found some booty. Excuse you, me? <laughs> you had to have it for group inspection. The Are booty... you telling me that mm. she got to inspect all the booty of the <laughs> land? <laughs> she, got, <laughs> she got to inspect all the booty of southern China. Literally. <gasps> Um, the booty was registered by a purser and then distributed by the fleet leader. The original Caesar received 20% and the rest was placed into the public fund. So then, number four. Actual money was turned over to the squadron leader, who only gave a small amount back to the Caesar. So the rest could be used to purchase supplies for unsuccessful ships. So that oh, was an incentive from like, others. Oh, I haven't really like, made any money this month. I yeah. haven't pillaged that many villages. But this storm is fucking, or this cannonball's wrecked Shh, my sure. mermaid on the front. I don't know if Chinese pirates have mermaids. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's why the public fund was good. According to Philip Morn, the punishment for a first-time offence of withholding booty was... <laughs> Why did I write booty? Excuse me! Why couldn't I write bounty or fucking something? Oh, Christ. withholding booty. Oh, what is the penalty, me? Kane? Well, severe whipping of the bag. <laughs> And large amounts of withheld treasure or or subsequent offences offences carried the death penalty. And this basically um, was the turning point that turned the outlawed pirate group into a fucking empire. Then, um, on top of these code of laws, and I particularly like this, Jing Qi also used her power to protect women. So mainly female captives were released, rape was forbidden and punished by death. <laughs> and pirates were punished for infidelity. Oh! So if a pirate was married, and even if it was consensual with or with another woman on the boat, he would be beheaded, and she would be thrown overboard. <gasps> so she did not no abide. Mercy. I mean, I suppose she's not a cheater. She's just a she's not stepson. A cheater. 
eater. <laughs> oh, Christ. Sorry. Sorry. Violations of other parts of the code were punished with flogging, clapping in irons, irons, <laughs> irons, or quartering. Oh, no, we don't like quartering. Yeah, no, which is for listeners. Uh, Google um, hung, drawn, and quartered. Mm-hmm. It's not nice. Don't Google it. Deserters or those who had left without official permission had their ears chopped off and then were paraded around their squadron. Oh, no. Yeah. That's do. you don't want corona outbreak to happen, would you? Because they wouldn't be able to wear a mask. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I prayed that we wouldn't approach approach the corona. I'm sorry. I'm no, 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 it's fine because it's absolutely. Perfect. It's just because I saw the other day a meme of Van Gogh with a mask oh, hanging no. over his one ear. Just one ear. Yeah. And it'd be like, oh no, oh no! I felt so dumb, but it also made me laugh so much. Oh my Christ! So now Jingxi ruled one of the biggest pirate fleets in history oh. ever to have ever happened. Well, sure. That's and madness. It's like a fucking, like... It's a fucking movie. It's a kingdom, but a moving kingdom it's moving with kingdom. boats. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the most nicest, you know. No, but violent, pillaging, violent, stealing. Isn't, isn't life violent? I mean, life was violent <laughs> for the law-abiding citizens of the Qing dynasty oh. when they were fucking taking their fucking land, land away, away from. yeah. So, you know... Uh, to bind their little feetsies, of course. Grey area. They're feetsies too. <laughs> she ruled one of the biggest pirate fleets in history and robbed towns from Macau to Guangzhou, but also saw the reasoning on expanding her company into more legal waters. Mm-hmm. So she's like, hmm, I got my men, but, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We need to invest. She's all about investment. So she starts investing in the salt trade which was a huge thing at the time. Salt trade, foreign fishing, and opium. It had been long exercised in those waters, but now she had an advantage, which was A, huge numbers, and offices that they had put up all across the southern Chinese coast. So they, in different towns, they would put different pirates. They and had offices. Essentially offices across the southern Chinese coast. Pirate activity became so large that they basically created their own government and even would impose taxes on the coastal settlements in one coastal village the san shan village they beheaded 80 men and abducted their women and children and held them for ransom until they were sold in slavery oh dear not very nice so she's still a pirate leader let's not forget ouch they even had the official Qing government under their thumb through bribery and extortion no so craziness craziness and all of this mave is one year after Jing Yat died. No. Yeah, it's 1808. Now the government are like, hmm. Hmm. We're not liking this very much. Sure. So they were obviously based in Beijing. And the emperor sent an official called Bai Ling to quell the unrest. And he arrived just in time to witness a full month-long scale on or fight assault on the Pearl River Delta. But Jingxi and her men survived the series of fierce battles and even took the government's ships, forcing the emperor to use fishing boats for battle. No. Yeah. So they arrived like... They destroyed <laughs> them. They destroyed them. Yeah. 
Under the Pirate Queen, the naval bandits proved themselves time and time again by fighting off attacks by the Qing government. The Portuguese, rival pirates, and even British bounty hunters that were sent after them. So you've got the Macau Portuguese coming on their boats. You've got the British mm. who would send bounty hunters. They were fighting them off. They even went as far as leaving the sea and sent squadrons to attack fortresses inland. So they mm. weren't even fucking pirates anymore. Oh, yeah, they were just they're like, like... Sure. <laughs> their power and reputation had a long-lasting effect politically and many local governors lost their power and colonels who attempted to stop them were humiliated. Zheng Shi also captured Richard Glasspool who wrote a book about his time in captivity, an officer of the East India Company ship the Marquis of Ely mm. and seven British sailors in 1809. Interesting. Mm. But then, after years of fighting and a damaging betrayal from a previous ally, remember those colour-coded fleets? Sure. Well, one of them... Which colour? Do you know what I'm going to say? Orange. I knew it! Orange. I knew it. The bastards. Jingxi's ships had taken quite a bit of damage, so she started taking, you know, steps towards being open to negotiations when the Qing dynasty realised they would never be able to stop them. Mm. But they realised that. The government were like, we can't win. They realised she wouldn't be able to stop them by force and offered money to stop the fighting. Hmm. They were like, we'll give you money. Yeah. Hey. But Zheng Shi, being the badass, ambitious, yet intelligent person she was, she knew when enough was enough and began a period of tense negotiations with the Chinese government. <gasps> what they were offering was uh, amnesty. Um, essentially, surrender with no punishment mm. after years of piracy. But Zheng Shi wanted more than freedom. She wanted to keep her and her men's money and so she held off on negotiations <gasps> until in September and November of 1809, Xingxi and Cheng Po, her um, stepson's uh, um, fleet, suffered a series of defeats inflicted at the Portuguese Navy Battle of the Tiger's Mouth, it was called. Oh. And there was no way they would be able to hold out forever. So... You know, she was like to her men, no, we're not just going to give up. I'm going to fight as much as we could. And then they had the battle of the tiger's mouth. And she was like, it's time. It's time. I hold my hand. It's emotional. It's time. So on April the 8th, 1810, Xingxi docked in Guangzhou. She sailed all the way up the Pearl River. Whoa. The river that she was fucking, you know, made her reputation. She was fucking on, that's for sure. She sailed it up and stood face to face with Bai Ling, the emperor's envoy. Jing Shi presented her terms, which were very much in favour of the pirates. Basically, she was like, we are not just surrendering, going into exile. We want to keep our money. We want to keep our fleets. No, 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 no. When the government seemed to say no, so imagine it. She's just walked into this beautiful kind of sure. like place and it's like she's the pirate queen. Her footsteps echoing on the ground. <gasps> the man in his big throne and he's like, you know, yeah, hello. And she's like, bitch. Hey. And she presents her term. She's like, I've sailed all the way up here. And he's like, oh, 
you're a little bitch woman on your own. And she thought, am I? And when he started to say no, <laughs> Jingxi's men, on her order, began to ravage and loot all of the surrounding oh. areas. So all around them, chaos. <laughs> Dracarith moment. <gasps> and so the Qing government yeah, were forced to agree to all of her terms. You're kidding. <laughs> no. So she was like a, I mean, in other ways, kind of slightly terrorist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But kind of Fabu- beautiful, fabulous. Like, I mean, it's in it's but it's far away enough in history to be able to call it exciting. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what happened next is incredible. The amnesty allowed only sixty pirates to be banished, a hundred and fifty-one to be exiled, and a hundred and twenty-six to be put to death out of a whole red fleet of seventeen thousand three hundred and eighteen pirates. What? Yeah. The rest only had to surrender their weapons and they were allowed to keep their loots and some ships and were even given government jobs. Oh my God. After being pardoned, because yes, Miss Motherfucking Chinese Pirate Queen was pardoned. Pardoned! She didn't give nothing. She retired as Pirate Queen. Pirate (laughs) Queen. Which pirate have you ever heard retire before? Because they're not fucking women and they're not fucking die. I know. And she convinced authorities to allow her and Cheng Po to keep 120 ships to be used in the salt trade, that legal trade that she... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like, okay, by the way, did you know that we also did, like, really legal trains? Like salt. Salt. Do you like salt? Your beef briskets, do you like salt? Where does that salt come from, pray tell? Is it ocean salt? China. (laughs) (laughs) She also convinced them to recognise her as Cheng Po's wife, despite the law of widows not ever being able to remarry at the fucking time. Wait, widows couldn't remarry? No. You'd just be a widow forever for life? Yep. Oh. Hence the name, Xing Shi, Widow of Zheng. Literally. Terrible. Ugh. That's great. I know, so bad. And if that's not enough, she also got Cheng Po a job in bureaucracy. Oh, Cheng Po, he's done well for himself. Whatever that meant in 1810 Adopted in China. by a pirate couple, gets to fuck his stepmom, and then gets a job in bureaucracy. I mean, what more do you want? That is the dream. I don't know what bureaucracy means in, in 1810 bu- in China, but... Admin. <laughs> admin. I imagine Scrolls, lots of scribes, quill, lots yeah, of quill. scribes, oh. blisters <gasps> on your hands, you know. Mm. That would be great, just lounging about, quilling. <laughs> and then they had a son and a daughter together. Oh. Mm. So that means that their son and daughters yeah, hold on. were kind of like their brothers. So son and daughters. So what? the question is, what's the relationship between... Uh, her Cheng... children that she had with Cheng Yat. Yeah, her, cho- were the, her fr- children with Cheng Yat. They were siblings with Cheng Po. Yeah. But then Cheng Po became their stepdad. They went from brother sure. to stepdad. Sure. And then the so stepdad their kids had... are either stepbrothers and sisters or uncles and aunties. I For suppose sure. blood-wise, both. Then years passed. And then in 1822... Um, so about 12 years later, Cheng Po, her husband, um, died at sea. 
Oh. And Jingxi, ever the businesswoman, took the opportunity to move her family to Macau. To marry her son. And... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank fucking God. No, but do you know what she did? Oh, no. She opened a gambling house. <laughs> oh, no! Yes. Yeah. So she was like Casino Queen? She was Casino Royale. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Over the years, she was a prominent figure with the thought trade... But also, she came to be a military fucking advisor... Excuse me. ...to the Chinese government during the first opium war that began against the British in 1839. Excuse me. Yeah. So, 22, she moves to Macau. She gets the gambling house. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The Qing government, yeah. 39. Hey, girl. And she's like, hey, I'm an old woman. but And he's like, yes, you, like, essentially had us all on our toes for about four years. Can you give us some? And she's like, okay, you want to get them this, you want to get them that. Like, she was the queen of the sea. She was, sure. she was a military advisor, a woman. That's amazing. Amazing. Oh, wow. And then finally, in 1844, and at the age of 69, she died, surrounded by her family and years of plunder and wealth, and is still to this day known as the most successful pirate in history. (gasps) (laughs) Wow. Did you like it? Oh, my God. So from 1775 to 1844... Wow. Yeah. I think she had this brilliant mind and this kind mm. of like intelligence and this ambition. She was mm. very ambitious. Ambition. To take on the pirate leader. Like, uh, always more, right? Always more. Like, oh. But she won, I need to get from She won. She wasn't killed. She kept all of her wealth. She carried on her family dynasty and her children. She gave them the wealth. Wow, what an incredible story. Thanks for telling. Of course. What do you? What would you say you took away from it? Main takeaway: fifty fifty. Amazing. Fifty fifty. Yes, girl. Yeah. Like uh, what? Yeah. Dracarys on the city. Yeah, literally. Bim bam boom. You say that to my agreements. Yeah, and then just managed to have like turn it into a legal business actually. Legal business. And just be like, oh, actually, I'm just going to be a business person. Yeah. Even well, I didn't think she lived for so long. Going into it. Sixty nine. And I didn't expect it to be earthbound. No. By the end of it. No. She could have floated away on her holiday, holiday boat. Well, I guess that comes to the end of our first episode of Breaking Bard. Um, thank you so much, Maeve. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved telling you this story. It's been amazing to be here, and I hope I get to come back. Of course you will. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I'll see you next time on Breaking Bard. <laughs> now that we're 